0: Hello everyone and welcome to the eighth episode in our rewilding series. This is the third last episode in the series in which we've been exploring some dimensions of what's going on when faith and understanding are in transition. In the previous episode, I offered an overview of what Spiral Dynamics is and what it aims for. I found, after all, that Spiral Dynamics is an amazing model for understanding some of the ways that we are faced with changes of faith and understanding. But now that I've done that, this means that we can dive into some brief descriptions of the different levels. This may be a little bit dry, I'm going to try and spice it up from time to time, but I hope you will see the immense value that this model can have for all of us. I really think it's capable of being very illuminating. Each level has a number and For easy memorization, a color too. We'll start with the lowest number and we'll work our way up. Let's start with beige. The first level or stage is the beige level of consciousness, the beige value system or V-meme. Remember that each level has its own value system. This is what makes it what it is. Beige is very self-focused and it deals with basic instinctual drives and survival and bodily needs. Beige is concerned with food, water, warmth, shelter, safety, and if there's time and if it's available, a little bit of sex too. Although even this is more of a luxury than a necessity. Beige concerns itself very much with the senses and there's no concept here of an individuated self, that is of a self separate from the environment or the world. Needs are immediate and extend no further than the current occupied time and space. As you might guess there are very few people in the world right now who live at this level maybe a few mentally ill homeless people do and it's fairly safe to say that newborn infants and late stage alzheimer's patients occupy beige too if you experience immense trauma or shock you will find yourself at beige again albeit only temporarily you can see this enacted in disaster movies or in news footage of disasters like the indian ocean tsunami of 2004 or Hurricane Katrina in 2005 high-speed chases or fights involve a lot of beige normally when this happens very rational people can look very irrational and the point is when survival is in question when the environment itself is shaky and when you identify with your environment which is what we all do to some extent beige is the right level of consciousness to be adopting. When your life is threatened by impending doom, you are not going to stand around in groups of high-end intellectuals pontificating about Heidegger's notion of being towards death. Instead, you will do what it takes to survive. Being avoids death, really, and nothing Heidegger can say about it makes even the slightest bit of difference. The fact that all of us can revert to this stage when in danger indicates that beige is fully integrated into our genetic code and our mental and social operations. Beige makes up a very tiny portion of the world's adult population and people who function at this level have no power at all. They represent today what all human beings once were when they first arrived on the evolutionary scene. When this level's needs are met constantly, the threats of annihilation diminish. That is, when the environment becomes more accommodating, a shift to the next stage becomes possible. When this happens. New neurological connections foster an awareness that group efforts are needed to ensure continued existence. Thus, a new stage in the spiral emerges. The second stage is purple, the purple value system. Purple is tribe focused, is magical and animistic and is motivated by the desire to keep the tribe safe, keep the spirits and ancestors happy and ensure the continuing gratification of beige level needs. Only now the tribe's aims and desires are more important than those of the individual. The sense develops here that beige is more sustainable when others are involved. Purple sees the world as a combination of awesome and terrifying. Wonder and Terra are, as philosophers of the sublime, have noted very close companions. To keep Terra at bay, the tribe agrees to make every effort to appease the gods, spirits, ancestors, demons, and the like. The corollary of this is that for Purple, this animistic worldview, everything is meaningful. The sun is not just a ball of gas but it is the highest good or a god, it is consciousness itself. Trees are inspirited, earth is Gaia, the ocean is Poseidon. You get a sense of this in most ancient mythologies. Things are poems and life is poetry. Only we don't have the analytic consciousness at this level to be able to properly distinguish between, say, poetic categories and impersonal categories. Traditions and especially rituals are absolutely vital at this level. In fact it seems to be true that for levels 2, 4 and 6, that is purple, blue and green, the ideological dimension is very important. This means conformity is prized over non-conformity. At the purple level you will find a lot of superstition, worries about black cats in paths and knock on wood instincts, voodoo-like curses, blood oaths, good luck charms, family rituals, dream catchers, that kind of thing. Shamans and Sangormas and witch doctors guide the tribe in knowing how to act. A lot of sports people are highly superstitious, which is to be expected since sports mimics the structure of ancient tribal rituals um, and battles, both internal and external. Gangs and certain corporate tribes have a lot of purple in them. I think that you can see a lot of purple in academia, and maybe this is unexpected, but Academics often treat their various discourses as a form of magic. Hang out with any group of niche academics and you will see this very clearly. Marxists may appear to be materialists on the surface, for instance, but their ideological commitments are surprisingly magical. Magical thinking tends to possess atheists and theists alike. The university classroom often becomes a site of ritual purification and so on. In fact, many of us quite naturally have a superstitious side. Little kids especially have a strong sense of purple. Beliefs in fairies and Santa Claus and magic abound, although it is quickly squashed in a lot of the modern world, which is actually rather sad because to be able to go from purple to any higher level of consciousness, purple has to be well developed. I'm not sure if you can hear it. There's a dog outside in my neighbor's yard barking like crazy. Uh, There you have a a good uh, case study of beige happening. (laughs) Anyway, of course, change is destined to happen and conformity of some or another kind is bound to arise. When ritual taboos and mythologies are set in place and the tribe is stable, certain individuals begin to feel constricted or perceive that the survival of the tribe is not possible if the tribe remains self-enclosed. So, certain individuals begin to stand out apart from the group. They seek self-expression and self-gratification, and often manifest in history as warlords and dictators. Which brings us to red. The third stage or level of consciousness is this red values system. The red level of consciousness is impulsive and egocentric, although sometimes also capable of being heroic. You'll see it most commonly in toddlers and rebellious adolescents. The main motivation here is to do what you want and to be who you are and to help with the consequences. Claire Graves, who formulated this model, suggested that the red level is the result of an absence of neurotransmitters related to guilt. At the beige and purple levels, a distinct sense of ego is actually absent, so red represents the primordial manifestation of ego consciousness, which means that the desires of the individual begin to outweigh those of the group, albeit in a very different sense from what was experienced during the beige stage. The individual will express himself or herself in an egotistical, exploitative, impulsive and controlling manner. But this can manifest in two distinct ways. There are red perpetrators and red victims, or in other words, red haves and red have-nots. Both make themselves and their own needs the center of the existential equation, but in obviously different ways. You'll find displays of hedonism and immediate sensory gratification at this level, a lot of rape and violence too, as well as displays of power and or manipulation, always alarmingly guilt free we're in sort of at its very worst we're in serial killer territory this isn't all that fun for red actually since the dominant narrative of beige and purple namely that of fear and failing to survive still rules the existential roost the world for red is a jungle full of predators so you can either become a predator or you can become prey Red is found in gang leaders and tyrants and dictators. Feudal lords offer safety to underlings in exchange for obedience and labor. ISIS and Al-Qaeda capitalize on this. Red is also the color of James Bond villains, wild rock stars and the boys in Lord of the Flies. It's the color of most totalitarian mindsets, including many of the identity politics-obsessed and various New Age narcissists. One of the problems that we're faced with in the world today is that some very good ideas are communicated to others around egalitarianism, say, which is a very green level value, but it is taken up by red as an urge to compete and get revenge. Identity politics is very red and it adopts a lot of pseudo and actual violence, since identity is discovered most easily when we bump up against others. Identity is given edges by violence whether real or symbolic i'd say that contemporary victimocracy is the result of an unholy alliance between red and green there is more red in the world than purple and while red doesn't tend to have a lot of power in times of instability red tends to speak up or rather shout very loudly and it's easy for other kinds of consciousness to get very fearful when this happens but Eventually, thankfully, ego must settle into a groove of sorts. And when there is a lull, tyrannical or heroic Red begins to ask questions about life's meaning and why death must happen, and suddenly the warlord is made aware of his or her own finitude. Guilt inevitably starts to creep in. The self, Red discovers, is just not enough. It's for this reason that there is actually some truth to the joke that aggressively woke leftists are likely to become right-wingers. At some point, egotism needs to find a larger sense of meaning. So red, that chaotic, self-centered way of seeing and being transitions into blue. This is the blue level of consciousness or value system which allows the individual to become concerned with the universe as divinely ordained and purpose-driven this is level four rick warren's the purpose-driven life and john piper's don't waste your life are incredibly blue books when people arrive at this level they start to value obedience to authority doing the right thing and they become aware that it is possible to sacrifice now in order to gain rewards later if only in some afterlife The famous marshmallow EQ test may ring a bell here. Failing to do the right thing, well, there's an afterlife consequence for that too. For every heaven, there is hell as a counterweight. At the blue level of consciousness, people are likely to find meaning in causes and to dedicate themselves to some form of evangelization at its best, or something less positive like a crusade or jihad. Less positive things like these are common when red has found an alliance with blue, some kind of uneasy alliance. Blue as I mentioned in the previous episode is kind of fundamentalist and this can be in both good and bad ways. Blue sees life as having assigned us a given role and specific markers for perfection. Salvation comes through sacrifice. You can see blue in Puritan America or Puritan or Victorian England, Confucian China, Singaporean discipline, uh, codes of chivalry and honor, religious fundamentalisms, boy and girl scouts, and patriotism. You may not like any of these things, but without any of these things, society would be completely unstable uh, and it would likely disintegrate completely. Blue is, again, whether we like it or not, a profoundly stabilizing force. For the world and in more developed countries you can expect close to 40% of people operating at this level although they do not necessarily have 40% of the power. But again quite naturally blue level people get tired of sacrificing for some imagined heaven, the tribe becomes stifling and ego pushes back. This is where orange arises although of course this only happens if the material and social conditions are just right. Orange is the fifth value system. Out of the collectivist mindset of blue emerges another individualistic mindset. The ego at this point is completely individuated and values independence, logic, competition, success. This is the value system of almost every managerial manual you've ever seen. It tells you how to win, how to achieve, how to persuade people to help get you what you want. Orange is also very optimistic, like Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins, and like Harris and Dawkins, ferociously critical of blue. Orange is highly rationalistic and seeks to understand efficient and effective ways to reach specific needs. The scientific method is the result of this value system, and learning by doing and experimenting is very highly prized. Authority, however, is regarded as more annoying than constructive because it is taken for granted. Typically, orange level people are aware that there are many ways to solve a problem, but they still assume that there is one best way. They are highly self-motivated and they also tend to be a little more on the manipulative side when it comes to reaching specific goals. People at the orange stage regard themselves as very objective in their truth seeking while failing to recognize the subjective egotism that motivates them. As a result, they don't always recognize the damage they do to others and the world around them when they pursue their aims. Orange doesn't have to be materialistic, but it does tend to lean that way. Quality of life is raised significantly by this orange level consciousness through technologies but there are always negative consequences to this. You'll find orange exemplified by certain trends in the Enlightenment, Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged, Stephen Pinker's Enlightenment now, Wall Street animals, emerging middle classes around the world, university science departments, the cosmetics industry, trophy hunting, colonialism, the Cold War, the fashion industry. Materialism, secular humanism and liberalist self-interest, these are all manifestations of this orange value system. There are fewer orange level thinkers than blue in the world, but they do tend to have more power than blue because of their strategic thinking and desire to conquer the proverbial global playground. The ego, however, will always get lonely and orange individualism tends to get called forward into another other-centric mode of awareness. In particular, orange individualism, which tries to create its own value structure, tends to recognise the need for community. Level 6 of the spiral is given the colour green, and I think this is highly appropriate. The competitive orange level won't address every human need, and that sense of separateness needs to be overcome somehow. We've been here before. At every level, when people return to the group, they sense a divine longing for wholeness that their wandering through the desert alone doesn't satisfy. The green level of consciousness values a combination of group unity and harmony, egalitarianism, acceptance of differences within certain limits, but not, not necessarily well-defined limits. And it also values inner peace over the efficiency mindset of Orange. There is an openness to people at this level that is potentially quite lovely, although green has also been characterized as mean green because it escalates or exaggerates some of the tribal tendencies of blue and purple, and as I've said, frequently makes an unholy alliance with red. Green can talk a lot, but it can also yell a lot. Naval gazing is just fine at this level, which means both wonderful opportunities for genuine insight and Amazing ways to get distracted from doing anything genuinely productive. Green will more easily organize a protest or a chat in a coffee shop about socialist reforms rather than find practical solutions to actual problems. Thus the tendency of Green to fail to see even some of the more severe downsides of, say, some socialist reforms. Communism is great, some of them will say. It's just a pity about all the bloodshed and poverty in every country that has ever tried it. Others will say, but that's not real communism. But what's interesting about these arguments is that you could, you could almost certainly argue that real anything hasn't been tried. Real capitalism hasn't been tried either. My point is not to get into those arguments. The point is to notice the good of the value system, but also to recognize that it is naturally uh, deficient in some ways. Green naturally rebels against the rationalism of orange. So a general sense of spirituality will also come into play here, often in more esoteric forms. You'll see this, even people who've gone through this sort of very orange phase of, of atheism will start to recover some sense of spirituality, um, but again in more esoteric forms. So there's uh, a return to purple here. Some of the more purple mythologies and rituals make a comeback. Green tends to adopt purple-level things like dream-catchers and tarot cards, which is somewhat surprising since orange was so against such things. But of course, green will unconsciously want to find all sorts of ways to subvert orange. As you will sense, especially those of you who do operate at this level, there is a glorious sense of idealism, although I would say that this idealism tends to be naive because of its neglect of careful reasoning and concrete facts. Green can easily protest against the tyrannical status quo, but as I've suggested, it is not necessarily very well equipped with actually creating institutions that work, which is why Green tends to appeal quite strongly to Blue to change its bureaucratic rules to enforce Green-level ideologies. The trouble is, Blue then collapses Green thinking into blue fundamentalism or collapses further into red antifa violence the best of green is fairly easily usurped by the worst of the other levels green wants to accommodate remember so it may not necessarily be very well attuned to where it is maybe you know making a deal with the devil for green everyone is equal and equal opportunity will allow all individuals to flourish Green tends not to be very discriminating, though, and will be prone to thinking that everyone's story matters and should be heard. Green tends to regard human beings as essentially good and loving, which goes to show that the environment that they inhabit is mostly fairly safe and fairly low on hostility. Many of the things that Green values aim to correct Orange's imbalances, and you'll find this in things like ecological thinking, postmodern deconstruction, Rogerian counseling, humanistic psychology, liberation theology, Greenpeace, and a lot of critical theory and identity studies, ecofeminism, post colonialism, political correctness, diversity movements, and human rights activism. You'll notice, especially on the issue of political correctness, Green is calling on Blue to institutionalize its ideologies. And I think this is. Uh, potentially incredibly dangerous. Very few people in developing countries operate at this level. In America, Canada and Europe there's quite a lot of green, maybe even close to a quarter of the population, except in a lot of universities which are overwhelmingly green at the moment. Green has less power than you think though because it tends to not be very strategically minded. Still, as you would expect or even hope, green is not at the top of the spiral if you live at the green stage for long enough you will start to regard the navel-gazing of greenies as both counterproductive and remarkably boring green tends to be rebellious rather than constructive and while some of its aims are positive it is prone to forgetting the real world somewhat so for example as i've said green will tend to think that everyone's stories are worth hearing but is that really true do i really have to give credence to the corrupt politician story or the story of the pedophile or the next deceitful kid who keeps on crying wolf? I don't think so. And I think that many people at at the level of green do already know this, but are, are reluctant to make judgments for both good and bad reasons. Some stories are clearly worse than others. Value judgments definitely still have a place. And while you can give equal opportunity to as many people as possible, eventually it will dawn on you that some people are better at some jobs than other people. Some people are more gifted than others too, depending on the domain that they're in. If you want to get a job done, you want the best person for the job, not just the person who fits your ideological agenda. To Greenies though, this kind of statement may sound like appalling drivel, and it sounds even like a kind of heresy. It sounds like something Orange would say. And well, maybe that's possible, but it's also possible that there is another level of consciousness yet to come. Let's hit pause for a moment though. The six levels that I've just described are referred to in Spiral Dynamics as the first tier of consciousness. What makes them first tier is mostly the fact that every level of consciousness in the first tier thinks that its own consciousness is the right one, although this is not to say that spiral alliances between levels are not possible, as I've already suggested. But after green comes the second tier of consciousness, of which only two modes are well mapped. So let's move on. The first of these, stage or level 7, is yellow. To arrive in the second tier requires, according to Claire Graves, a momentous leap. The leap usually occurs when the individual human being sees that distributing resources equally among everyone while expecting everyone to be equally kind, good and loving creates more problems than it actually solves. This leap from green to yellow occurs when the gradual improvements of all the previous levels are threatened. Suddenly, survival becomes a question again and for this reason yellow echoes the beige value system in a way albeit an octave higher. Where green favors a specific kind of group ideal yellow sees people exactly as they are and doesn't necessarily try to enforce conformity. Yellow can listen to everyone as green does and also properly match them at their level. It'll talk to red in red language expletives included, and talk to blue in blue language, correct doctrinal formulations included. Yellow is highly adaptive and can adopt various ways of thinking. It can think in red or blue or orange ways, for instance, without losing its own center of gravity. It's a bit like that line in Kipling's poem, If, if you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings, nor lose the common touch. Yellow will try to understand what is needed for everyone's survival and flourishing, and it will argue in favour of that. Rather irritatingly, though, yellow-level thinkers can come across as know-it-alls and may even potentially be regarded as arrogant because they possess rather vast perspectives. But again, this is what is necessary when survival itself is called into question. Yellow understands the place of chaos, and... It knows that it is necessary for change to occur. Concrete realities mixed well with spiritual ideals at this level. And the individual is able at this point to transcend self-centered and instinctive emotional drives. He or she can see what is truly of benefit to everyone rather than just a few. The focus is on how we all make it into tomorrow, not just on how I or my tribe gets to win the day. Yellow recognizes dualistic, that is one right-way thinking, but it is beginning to move towards a much more integrated, non-dual perspective on life, the universe, and everything. Which brings us to Turquoise. Level 8 is the Turquoise V-Meme or Value System. The environment of Turquoise is the simulacrum of global communications technology. As lovely as it is that we have all kinds of ways to stalk people at a safe digital distance, all kinds of new chaos emerges as a result. Turquoise sees all the chaos but recognizes fractals in the chaos. It sees parts within the whole and it does in fact have a consciousness of that whole. It sees order within disorder. For turquoise, Everything is connected. You can be a scientific materialist and a spiritual guru and a business strategist. You can live comfortably in what you might even perceive as a multiverse, perfectly attuned to the oneness of things. I'm using the term multiverse. Turquoise knows its own unique being, but it understands itself as unified with God and humanity and nature. Turquoise doesn't think of the world in terms of separation, but in terms of the interconnectedness of all things action and non-action affect the larger story of the cosmos. Turquoise is a metaphysicist who is quite comfortable with paradox and who encourages others to have a sense of the whole. And that is basically what we know about the various levels in the spiral of human consciousness. Now that you have a rough overview, you might begin to appreciate the ways that these types of consciousness might articulate themselves and interact. but. To get a deeper sense of this, especially in terms of some of the issues this raises for understanding faith in transition, I want to dive into how all of this plays out in the history of Christianity, especially in the narrative of the Bible. So that is exactly what I'm going to do in the next episode. I hope you join me for that. Until next time, take care everyone.